to me, like the enlightened artist is not just self-oriented, but also self-aware and able to hopefully allow other people to experience a certain level of self-awareness and consciousness, either through their work or through their mentorship. Conversations with artists about the work behind their work. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and I am a choreographer, contemporary dancer, blog writer, and host of this very podcast. My goal is to bring you an in-depth look at the creative process from the perspective of different kinds of artists from all over the globe, learning more about what it is that drives a person to create. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. There is a lot of traffic outside today, but we're going to go ahead with this intro anyway. So I could have talked to today's guest for hours, and we almost did. Renee Bird is one of those people who, even though we haven't met in person, I've always felt the sort of kinship with her and her work. After having this conversation, I feel it even more. I originally met Renee through her beautiful food blog, Will Frolic for Food, but quickly discovered that she is also a musician, yoga teacher, photographer, poet. She helps run a chocolate and coffee business called Frolic Chocolate, and so much more. She is based in a small town in Virginia, and on her blog she shares vegetarian recipes, along with conversations and education on holistic wellness. As a musician, she is part of a musical trio called Larkspur, and is starting a new project with her husband called Blanchelant, which we really get into in this conversation. It's funny, I had expected to talk about food a lot in this episode since we first met as two budding food bloggers, but as I've said before, we meet people where they are on their artistic path, and Renee is then a point of transition in her life, which is something I absolutely loved talking with her about. We also talk a lot about her performing arts background, another thing that we share, what it means to be a multi-potentialite, being a self-dubbed highly sensitive person and how that affects her creative process, how she writes music and lyrics, imposter syndrome, and calling yourself an expert versus an educator. Renee is such a mindful, self-aware, and magical kind of artist, and just human in general. I have the feeling you'll love her as much as I do. Here is my conversation with Renee Bird. met what like six years ago I feel like it could have been longer I don't know internet met yeah back when I had half full that old right, like travel yeah, food blog totally totally <laughs> it's yeah crazy. a while ago so you go ahead and get it and I'm I'm on the awesome. train with you. awesome so what is your first memory of creating something oh man well the first things I think about are just creating imaginary games um which are you know childhood theater. <laughs> I used to play wizard games with my younger brother a lot. I did a lot of theater growing up, so that kind of plays into my desire to be making up stories and being a character. And cool. um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have a younger brother. We were really close growing up and we just used to, um, I used to guide the two of us playing games about 
being wizards and sticks would be wands and whatnot. Um, Perfect. But yeah, other than that, I did dance growing up too. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of my creativity when I was really, really young was oriented around like being guided through dance recitals and stuff like okay. that. And I used to also make cartoons and stuff. I just I just did a lot of different things. That's interesting. You did so many performing arts. I didn't realize that. I did a lot of performing arts. That was my jam for a really long time. Cool. Until I got to college and um, the college that I went to, it really wasn't the right choice for the performing arts. I, I probably should have gone to a different school mm-hmm. after I realized that. But I just, I didn't have very high self-esteem and I just didn't want to transfer because I had built this friendship Mm -hmm. community, which I really struggled to find like all growing up, like friends that I really connected with. So I kind of prioritized that over going to a school that would have been more appropriate for my Mm -hmm. like goals and gifts. But it all worked out in the end, you know, like, yeah, it does. It leads you somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, it led me where I am right now. So lots of performing arts, lots of theater and dance. And do those still show up in your creativity? Do you feel like? I kind of put them to bed for a while in most of my 20s, um, a lot of my performing arts stuff. Mm-hmm. Mainly, again, I was dealing with some self-esteem issues, and I lived with my parents briefly for a while after college, and then I was just kind of in survival mode for a really long time with work and trying to function. I just didn't have time. I continued to take some like improv classes and that sort of thing um, for a while after college, but the performance art stuff really is a it plays a big role in my music projects so like I play Mm -hmm. in one band it's an all-female project called Larkspur and it's very um it's folk oriented trans folk and so performance is definitely an aspect of that just really being comfortable with performance and being seen in that way is something that I really really love and is a really big part of who I am and then a project that I'm working on right now with my husband called Blanche um, is more of an electropop thing, and it's going to be mu- very theatrical, much more theatrical, and play a lot more on my kind of theater roots, I suppose you'd say. That's so um, cool. Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of music videos for that that are going to incorporate dance and theater and costuming and just oh, a lot of really exciting. exciting things that, yeah, they're things that I'm really, really excited about, and I just sort of feel like I'm getting back to who I am with that after having developed a lot of creative work that allowed me to hide behind my blog and my photography for a really long time. And just Mm. like the blog that I do with Frolic for Food, it's, it creates a fourth wall. So really it's like, there's the audience and then there's me and I express pieces of myself that I want to here and there, but um, it's not like the full on straight up creative power coming from source or muse or spirit or whatever you would say that um Mm. a lot of my music is so yeah I mean right now I'm in a bit of a a shift or transition in that way okay that's cool that's cool because I was actually going to ask you if you Mm -hmm. feel like one of the passions that you pursue is more true to your creative self and Mm -hmm. you already kind of just answered that I mean I don't know if um (laughs) <laughs> if it's just music, <laughs> but no, that that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there are a lot of things that I I feel are um, very true to who I am when I'm doing my creative arts and creative practices. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's this word that I love um, called multi-potentialite. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I but don't think I've heard that, but I like that better than so multi-passionate because I find yeah, that I kind of fall back on that. But Right, because anybody can be multi-passionate, yeah. but exactly. not everybody has the potential to actually pursue many different avenues of creative work or you know things that are even not considered creative work like there are a lot of people who are musicians who are also really gifted mathematicians for example right so a multi-potentialite is somebody who has the capacity to pursue many different avenues at a very high level um so there's Mm. a giftedness in multiple areas or arenas and i love this phrase because i find a lot of creatives are multi-potentialites Um, So like the guy who produces my album, my friend, Jake Hall, he is a super multi-potentialite. Like he plays like 20 instruments. He actually scores films. He's also an incredible improvisational actor. He can do a ton of different accents. He can write research papers. Like he's a very, very gifted person. And I consider myself a multi-potentialite. My husband is a multi-potentialite. A lot of people who have giftedness, tend to have a multi-potentialite kind of aspect to their to their being Mm. and I started researching that while talking to another friend of mine my friend Kelsey McNair she has a lot of different gifts and talents and she was like I don't know how what to call myself like when people ask me what I do I have like 10 things and I don't know how to say this is what I am yeah. And I have that problem too. People are like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a photographer because yeah. it's too com- complicated for me to explain every yeah. single thing that I do. And I don't really feel like they care. <laughs> you know? Well, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Well, yeah. I care. And I'm curious. Well, yeah, how, yeah. Would you, <laughs> how would you describe it if you had kind of the time and the space to describe actually what you do? Um, well, the elevator pitch that I've been working on and honing it on for like seven years is um, that I'm a photographer and blogger, creates vibrant content for sensitive souls. I'm also a musician. There you go. Cool. <laughs> like that. Um, stop. I'm also a musician. Right. I'm also a musician. Yeah. Um, and there's more depth that I could go into with that, like mm-hmm. the type of music that I play and the fact that I'm also a photographer and a writer and... I know how to build websites and do graphic design and do marketing and social media. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. that little phrase there, it encapsulates so much. Mm -hmm. And of course, if I were just to say, you know, I'm a blogger who creates content for sensitive souls, what does that even mean? You know, if you're not a content creator or somebody in the social media space, you would have no clue what that even means. Like, what is content? But for somebody who is aware of, that world you're like oh I get it you know absolutely you make stuff yeah you make stuff (laughs) you make stuff for a specific audience yeah Mm -hmm. that makes sense it's nice to have that elevator pitch because I feel like that also helps us focus a little bit more and just know what the Mm -hmm. highlights are yeah it helps me personally just to kind of stick to my mission and remember that my audience is more narrow than just hi, I'm somebody serving something to the entire world. Right. Um, so I really love the theory of uh, the marketing theory of uh, repelling and attracting the right people. Mm-hmm. So people who are not sensitive will not get what I do and will just be like, that's weird, and then move on. And I'm like super into that. Right. Please leave. <laughs> but the people who are who need it, who really need that connection or want that connection, who are sensitive, they show up and they're like, oh my God, this is for me. I need this. Like, 
let me pull up a chair at the table. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get into that mm. idea of being a highly sensitive mm. person and how that affects mm. your creative process and what you kind of yeah. choose to put out there. So, I mean, how did you first define yourself as a highly sensitive person? Where did that definition come from originally? Yeah, well, I first discovered it because my aunt is a therapist. She, I think she's actually the president of the National Board of Therapy for Tennessee or something. We were talking on Facebook and she left a comment on something that I posted and was like, hey, have you ever looked into the work of Elaine Aaron, Dr. Elaine Aaron? Um, she's written all these books about highly sensitive people. I'm a highly sensitive person. Look into it. And I was like, huh, okay. So I clicked the link that she left and was like, oh my God, this is me. Wow. Um, yeah, so Dr. Elaine Aaron's work, she's really the premier researcher and writer on this subject. If you read any of her books or ever listen to her talk on podcasts, she's like, I didn't know that this was what I was going to focus on. I just started uh, researching it and I coined the term essentially. And people were just like chomping at the bit, mm -hmm. if that's the right phrase um to get this information and have her write a book about it yeah because there just wasn't anything that collected this research into one mm. tome and now she has many books cool. but being a highly sensitive person you really absorb a lot of information uh all at one time so people who are highly sensitive tend to be very overwhelmed by overwhelming environments so uh loud noises bright lights um uncomfortable textures mm -hmm especially uh, emotionally erratic environments too. Mm. So if you've got a lot of people in a space, you have a lot of different emotions, highly sensitive people tend to actually take in a lot of that information and they don't know why they feel overwhelmed most of the time, but they just do feel overwhelmed and they need to get away from that kind of environment and then get to a space that's quiet so that they can decompress. So the nervous system tends to be um, overly reactive mm because they absorb information that way. Another thing about being highly sensitive is because they absorb so much information, they tend to have what I, the way I interpret it is, uh, a very intricate way of expressing information. They tend to be very highly intelligent mm -hmm. as well. There's a very close correlation between intelligence and being highly sensitive. There's also a close correlation between depression and being highly sensitive, especially if you grew up in an environment that was more erratic or anxiety producing. It's not an innate trait. Right. So like people who are highly sensitive who grow up in really nourishing and nurturing environments do not innately have depression or anxiety. Right. Um, they often function really, really well in the world, in fact. So it's, it's complex, but it's really, really interesting. It's this subset of our society, of all societies. So 15 to 20% of all humans are highly sensitive yeah. um, in any given community, which is a lot, you know, that's a lot of people, but the world is not designed for them. The world is designed for non-sensitive right. or just typical brains, I guess you'd say the more normative experience. Um, so I learned about all of that. <laughs> I looked at the information about it, read the book and was like, this is me a hundred percent. This explains so much of my life experience why I've struggled with anxiety and depression during periods, why I really, really struggle with having friends or community yeah, who have a lot of emotionally erratic behavior. Mm -hmm. I just like, I just absorb that stuff like a sponge and it, I start to express their emotions through my experience. And some people would call that 
being an empath. I was going to say, it sounds really similar to yeah. being an empath, which I know is something I... Yes, exactly, I which I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I consider myself an empath. Yeah. It just explains a lot of my life experience and has helped me to understand how to create my own lifestyle in a way that allows me to just be who I am without as much anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. It's helped me to develop better boundaries, um, to implement self-care practices and just daily mindfulness practices, journaling practices, and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, which helped me to just thrive. Whereas before, I just always felt like I was just in survival mode all the time. Right. And I didn't know why. You know, I was just like, I'm a freak, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm this weird, sensitive person who can't handle the world. And so, you know, I tend to be more of a hermit anyway. So <laughs> I would just like kind of shut myself away from the world and just be really frustrated and upset. Mm. Um, I feel like a weirdo. So it just, it also helped me to feel like I was not alone. You know, Absolutely. there are so many other people like this yeah. out there. I have a feeling um, a lot of artists are highly sensitive and probably a lot of those kind of tortured, struggling artist images we see are people who are highly sensitive and undiagnosed so and don't know what to do yes. themselves. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. And um, a lot of highly sensitives actually are artists. Like mm-hmm. the vast majority of them are artists. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It, we tend to be attracted to that sort of thing, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's just that I attract other very sensitive people and so I'm observing a lot of artists that are highly sensitive Mm -hmm. so maybe that's just my personal experience or that there's just such a high percentage of artists who are highly sensitive Mm -hmm. that it's impossible for me not to be attracting those people into my life yeah how do you feel like being highly sensitive has impacted your creative path yeah uh, I mean it has informed every decision that I've ever made yeah basically being highly sensitive it, I mean, in theater and performing arts, it's just such an extroverted world mm-hmm. and it is so competitive and it's very easy, easy to become overwhelmed. So that is definitely a reason that I, I decided to step away from that world. Mm-hmm. It was an unconscious reason that I did that. I didn't know that that was part of it, but it certainly was. Um, and then, of course, in different periods of my life, like in college, for example, just the whole environment of college is very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon for people who are highly sensitive to really struggle in uh, the dynamic of college because it's just so social. You often have a roommate or you're surrounded by other people all the time. Right. And just the social stimulation alone can be really, really overwhelming, mm-hmm. not to mention the academic pressure. That certainly affected me in my journey. But yeah, it's, it, it does impact and has impacted every single choice that I've made as an artist because I have to be very protective of my creative space, Mm. my personal space, my space to think. I need a lot of silence while I'm working and creating things. Yeah, I mean, even now, I have to have really solid self-care practices and like creative preparatory practices in order to do my work. Um, and I have to be very conscious of who I collaborate with right. um, as well. So it has to be like the perfect fit or I just can't work with people. <laughs> like I can work with my yeah. husband That's good. and I have a lot of friends who I can collaborate with 
who are just incredible, but like, they're all highly sensitive, right? You know, like all of them are highly sensitive. Basically, I can only work with people who are sensitive and understand that. So that's one of the most typical things for me is collaborating with people who are like, not bringing an equal level of work to the table. It just, it's just so disheartening for me. And I'm very easily disheartened. Yeah. I think that's a good skill to have though, because sometimes you get maybe midway into a collaboration and then you realize, oh, this isn't really working out. But to have that awareness Mm -hmm. of it already and know that you need to be really careful going into it, I think that's that's a good skill. Totally. Yeah. I like unconsciously screen people for a long time before I'm willing to be like, hi, would you like to work together? You know, like I'm I'm friends with them for like a year first, basically. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah. Uh Um, How did you find your bandmates? Are they also friends, highly sensitive friends that you have? They are both highly sensitive, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I found Annabeth, who's the main singer-songwriter in Larkspur, through a friend of friends. Um, We started hanging out. Actually, the first time we really hung out, we were at a Joseph concert. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah, I love them. Um, Yeah, so before they blew up and everything and got signed, Mm -hmm. They came and played this show at a vineyard. Actually, it's a Dave Matthews vineyard out here in Charlottesville area. And they went and played. My friend invited me. And I was like, oh, I'll bring my friend Annabeth, my new friend. And we were just chatting afterwards. And she was just saying the most like absurd shit ever. She's just hilarious. Like one of those people who's just so funny naturally and doesn't even have to try at all. Yeah. She just has this really... Um, funny and interesting and just strange way of thinking about things and I just loved it I just loved it so much and I was like oh my god we have to be friends I've been searching for a friend like you my whole life (laughs) that's amazing so we hung up then and then we just started like hanging out making dinner together and stuff and uh I think we jammed like once or twice and we're talking about music and she was like I'm trying to like get some people involved in my music project maybe you want to play around with this because we had sung together once or twice and our voices play together really well in a kind of weirdly awesome way Mm -hmm. almost kind of a sisterly way like our vocal cords have some similarities which is a bit unusual Mm -hmm. and so we started playing together and then invited her friend Laurel who I hadn't met yet this is years ago this is like three years ago so yeah we got together and then we were like wow our dynamic is just great as friends and Still to this day, I think we consider ourselves friends first, bandmates second. Mm, So we just have to all be in alignment with the direction that we're going in with the work um, in order to keep creating. So yeah, we've recorded an album, played a lot of shows for years. The album's beautiful. I've heard it. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Yeah, now we're on a little bit of a hiatus just because Annabeth's recording a lot of her demos because she has a Patreon now. So she has the power to record more. Oh. Um, yeah, it's great. And uh, you can find that at patreon.com backslash Annabeth Sings. Nice show <laughs> notes. <laughs> little shout out. <laughs> shout out to Annabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm focusing more on my project with my husband. Okay. And obviously I found him because I fell in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's ideal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we met in college. We'd actually played music together in college oh, a bunch. Cool. Um, we played in like a jazz combo, like an improvised jazz combo where I was singing and he was playing stand-up bass, which I'm not going to, you know, 
say that that was a good by any means like the project was kind of meh because it was improvised jazz music like that's really hard and we were like kind of okay yeah he and I had just kind of jammed and we dated a little bit in college Mm -hmm. and then ended up getting serious and we've played music together for our whole relationship but I think we just both were really blocked about expressing ourselves in our own project because we've always been supporters of other people's music like I tend to do harmonies for other people or like percussion backup and then he tends to be a bass player in bands and like bass players are notoriously the strong silent type (laughs) absolutely yeah so just about a year a year and a half ago we just were like you know what it's time we need to get serious about this Mm -hmm. and be working on these songs and developing them and so that's that's what we've been doing low key on the side for like a year. So you'll be a little bit more and now we're recording front and center for that project. I will be front and center. I am the yeah. front person of that band. Um, oh, exciting. which is really exciting and is gonna be really fun for fun for cool. both of us. And so you yeah. sing, you play I play um, some percussion and stuff. Percussion. Um, okay. I write all of the lyrics, I write the music okay. melodies. A lot of the songs in the Blanche Lot project with Logan. I wrote a lot of the parts vocally and then Logan went back in and translated them to bass lines or um, like electronic melody lines. Mm, cool. So that's been really interesting yeah. and amazing. Yeah. I <laughs> wanted to ask you that. about your writing because I know you yeah. wrote music and then you also write a lot of poetry. Although I, I don't know if you've been writing. Have you been writing poetry? I do write poetry. Um Yeah, I mean, I've been writing poetry since I was like a little kid, you know, since I was like 11 or so. I know, cute little bean, old, old, little me from way back in the day. You still have Um, that? I think I do. My mom probably has some of those old poems, but I used to do like performance poetry in college. I would go to the coffee shop and like open mics and do my performance poetry that like barely made sense but sounded good. So I had this, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I just really love the way words sound together. And I mm-hmm. love the percussive nature of um, combining words. So a lot of it was actually more of like a sound thing for me, which mm-hmm. I realized later. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, but I do write poetry. I have like all of these poems that I've never published. They're just kind of sitting on my computer. I still don't really know exactly what to do with them, but they're there. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, the songs, clearly a lot of writing is going into that and the writing is being published as part of the song. Right. That's interesting. So what do you, do you have mm-hmm. themes you often write about or what is it that sparks your writing ideas? Oh, uh, I do unconsciously have a lot of themes that I fall back to a lot. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are about presence. So kind of an experience of presence or... Um, the numinous, like that which can't be explained through words. So an experience of just ec- ecstatic spiritual joy from life that you get when you dance or from movement or from connecting with people or um, something you just have those like random moments of clarity. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely a theme that I fall back on a lot when I'm writing poetry or writing music. And then with this album I'm doing with Logan, interestingly, a lot of the themes are about power dynamics. So one's power dynamic with oneself, your power dynamic with society, your power dynamic with money, your power dynamic with your partner. 
um, a power dynamic with God or spirituality. I'm trying to think of anything else. Yeah, power dynamic of nature. That's cool. It's just it's a they tend tended as I was writing them to fall around that mm. that kind concept of, of, of just your own power dynamic. Yeah, subconsciously. I mean, I didn't write them like this one's going to be about man versus <laughs> nature. This one's going to be about man right. versus himself. Right. It's not always that literal when you start to create. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. It's just something that I've been exploring a lot because I tend to be sort of a repressive person. Like I'm an emotional stuffer. Like I, I definitely press a lot of my emotions down and have a hard time expressing mm-hmm. them. So a huge creative process journey for me has been learning how to express myself um, and just be more free with that. And it's it's been a real struggle for me, which is a, a big reason that I, you know, turned away from performing arts for a long mm-hmm. time because I was just really, really stuck, emotionally stuck and not able to express. I actually went through a really long period where I had a lot of pain in my mm-hmm. throat. And when I would go to say something that was true to me or ask for something that I wanted, it was like I couldn't say anything. You know, I just had this this pain in my throat it just wouldn't come out it was really hard to to get through that um but yeah I basically started writing this new album when I had a healing experience around that and then Mm. was like free of that pain which is pretty interesting now that I think about it that's really no I mean that sounds like such a direct connection totally totally and since then I've just sort of been in this kind of period where the floodgates are just open and I'm able to write and express and write things that actually feel true to me. That's beautiful. Um, especially music, able to write music that really feels true to me. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear this new project. Yeah, me too. <laughs> We're like just in the demos period now. Maybe by the time this comes out, it'll be somewhat finished, but cool. it's already shaping up to be really, really special. That's really exciting. Mm -hmm. So would you say that's more your focus right now, even more than blogging or photography, or are those still kind of balancing along with with the music? Well, I'm in a funny situation uh, (laughs) place right now with the blog where, like I said, I'm doing this to be magnetic program, Mm -hmm. um, which it really is, it's unrooting a lot of the causation of why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of choices that we as humans make in the world are actually choices we're making out of fear or misdirected beliefs about ourselves and what we're worthy of, Mm. um, what we're capable of, or fear that we won't be loved if we do this or that. Um, So I'm doing a lot of unrooting and uprooting. And I bring that up because my blog and all of my creative work is really a reflection of my inner environment. Mm. Um, so the blog is something that I've loved doing and I'm continuing to do. And it's still a huge part of what I do on a day-to-day basis is like maintaining that and right. trying to figure out how I can function financially. <laughs> right. Uh, because a lot of my income com- income comes from the blog, like sponsored stuff. I have just a little bit of ad revenue that I make. So I'm currently trying to figure out how I am going to continue doing the blog and still feel really in alignment with what I'm doing with my life mm-hmm. uh, moving forward because I, I love the blog and I want to continue doing it. Mm-hmm. But I also feel 
more attracted to conversations about wellness, um, more attracted to conversations about being highly sensitive, about being a creative, right. about even just things like DIYs. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've noticed you've been doing for more skincare of that. and body care and stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, just things that kind of amplify a lifestyle that is really about living your best life mm -hmm. as a creative um, and as a sensitive person as well. Yeah. So that's kind of where my passions are falling more into um, kind of stepping away from food more, but I'm still always mm. going to do food to some degree because I love yeah. food. It's just not my core passion right now. Um, I've been doing it for so long. Like I've been doing the blog since 2012. Wow. It's a long yeah. time. That is a long time. And did it start with exclusively food? Yeah, it's always been food. And then over the past year or two, I started talking more about other subjects like lifestyle subjects and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. As I've posted that more, the response has been so amazing. And I feel like I'm actually able to help people in a way that's, to me, more powerful than posting recipes. I mean, recipes are great and everything, but mm -hmm. I, I know I have a unique perspective on that and everything. And I do mm -hmm. love it. I'm good at it. But, you do. You have a very artistic way of developing recipes, I think, and photographing yes, them. Yeah. You have your own your own signature style with that. Yeah, I got my style, you know. But oh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, I am sort of in a transition phase with it. So um, cool. yet to be fully realized, still figuring that out. But, mm -hmm. you know, music is something that I really want to be doing more in my life. But so much of it is a balance of like, well, how am I going to function as an artist, you know, making money mm -hmm. and um, still serving people and also creating the things that I feel called to create in my heart. It's a yeah. really, really big question for me right now. So yeah, I mean, the blog definitely still fills a ton of my time. Mm -hmm. Music fills a lot of my time. Writing things like poetry is a lot less time um, okay. since all of my writing energy is going towards music right now. So it's, it's still writing. It's just not Right. In the poetry format. Well, songs are kind of poems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've been doing things like writing ebooks for the blog and figuring out right. what I'm doing for that. But I just, I think I've always felt like I was a person in process, hmm. building something. And to be honest, there's something about the blog that is just like somewhat exhausting to me coming from a yeah. theater and performance background. Like, in theater, you do a project for eight weeks, and then you're like, ta-da, I did it. It's amazing. And then yeah. you're done. Yep. But, and then you move on to the next Which is always project. horrible and tragic in the moment, but then you realize that that's yeah. part of the process, and, exactly. you know, you're ready for the next one. And Yeah, no, yeah. I come from the exact same thing. Totally. And a way food yeah. can kind of be that way, because you're like, I made a thing, ta-da, and now I'm moving on to the next thing. Right. But with the blog, it's like one big play that goes on right. forever and that's never stops and way. you're never done. Yeah, that's such an interesting way of thinking about it. I've never thought of it like that before, but it's true. It's yeah. True. It is exhausting. It, it, it can be exhausting in that way. Yeah. So in that way, I've always found it hard to be super consistent with posting once a week even, which is crazy, but I spend a lot of time making those posts, too much time probably. Yeah, like each blog shows. post takes at least 20 hours. Like that's a long freaking time. That is a long um, time. Yeah, and for baked goods, it's longer than that because I always test things multiple times. Right, which can be figure fun. Figure out how to translate right. that. Tiring. Yeah, it can, it can be fun. It can be fun for sure. But, 
yeah I kind of lost my train of thought (laughs) that's all right yeah no I think that's I think that's so interesting thinking of a blog as a long Mm -hmm. play now I'm just thinking about that a lot but I think that's why you have to transition it and constantly keep it in process and Mm -hmm. be open to always changing it to fit who you are now and it sounds like that's exactly what you're what you're going through at the moment yeah, definitely. And I was just journaling about this actually before we got got on the line here. <laughs> um, but one of the things I I am really grateful for about this blog that I've created um, over these many years is that there's such a beautiful core group of people who do follow the work who really care and and love it and would be supportive of me in whatever transition I'm doing, especially because mm-hmm. it's like not really that. It wouldn't be that big of a transition if I was just like, oh, I'm going to write this highly sensitive stuff now, right. you know? No, no, it fits. Um, a lot of people would be like, yes, that's all I've ever wanted, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, totally, which is not the, I don't know exactly the direction that I'm moving towards, but again, it's all in process. Yeah. But. You're on the perfect process Yeah, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're talking about creative process yeah, I know, here. I, I mean, it. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to think of it as like, this is just this ever gestating baby that's just in the womb of my mind wow um that's deep that is kind of how I think of it yeah because I'm always like feeding it and trying to you know give it the most nourishing treatment that I possibly can yeah um bit of a weird image but it works at least for me but uh it works it works actually functionally as a metaphor but yeah it's just trying to make sure that it continues to align with my core mission and purpose in life mm-hmm. as a human being and also with uh, my mission of being able to live the kind of life that I need to live to continue to create so much awesome creative stuff. Right. And yeah, it's, it's a big question that I'm, I'm definitely trying to figure out. It's like, how do I do all of that? Right. And I, I feel very hopeful that I can. Yeah. Do you still? And that I will. Yeah. I think it can be hard when you're what is it, multi-potentialite? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it can be yeah. hard to find that connecting thread that connects all of your different talents and interests. And it takes time to figure out what that is. Yeah. But do you do you have a sense of maybe where that's going and what the what the connection looks like for you? I mean it's it's still always serving vibrant content to sensitive souls, no matter what it is. That's what it is. Perfect. It's serving vibrant yeah. content to sensitive souls. It's not always going to be food that's part of it but it could also be you know education about wellness education about self-care I really consider myself Mm -hmm. to be an educator first and foremost um no matter what Mm -hmm. uh educator and artist but you know it could be journaling prompts it can be um DIYs and body care it can be movement practices it can be music it can be art it can be poetry it can be Things that allow people to take a deep breath and find a moment of quiet inside of themselves. Like those are beautiful things that serve people in life as well. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be like a, this is the pressure I put on myself of like, it always has to be this thing that's just next level and it's teaching people how to make this thing and da da da. Right. Um, instead of like, here is a photo of something that's beautiful and made you feel good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um simplifying is part of my journey too but cool that's 
I feel like sometimes I struggle with um, calling myself an educator. And I wonder if you ever struggle with this mm. as well, because mm-hmm. it's that whole imposter syndrome thing. I mean, I've read way too much about oh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, I've read oh, way yeah. too much about totally. that. And I identify way too much with that. Um, but do you ever? Oh, I feel yeah, that way. All I was going to ask, do you? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no question. I feel that way all the time. I think it's really hard not to feel mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. And, you know, The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer is one of the best books on creativity. And I haven't read that yet. Read. I have to. She t- mm-hmm. Really? Oh, cool. it's so good. Great for any artist because we all do struggle with asking mm-hmm. and with feeling like we have any level of expertise because we're always in process, yeah. I think. I mean, you can have a PhD and still feel imposter syndrome about what you're doing. Like, oh, I'm an academic. I'm not a real artist. Right. We all experience some level of imposter syndrome. The thing that I always go back to is I am expert enough to teach somebody something that they didn't know. You know, I can show up in this world and educate people on things that I'm experienced in and educate people about things that I've had breakthroughs in personally that allow other people to have their own breakthroughs and their own aha moments. Um, And that's so valuable. And I've seen that over and over again with my blog as well. You know, I'm not an expert in being a highly sensitive person. I just am a highly sensitive person. You are. I mean, and I have expertise in it because I've worked so hard to develop a lifestyle for myself that allows me to thrive and not just survive. And it's taken me a really long time to do that. Like a lot of money and a lot of time. There's just so much that I've learned and then I can pay, pay forward just by talking about it. And in that way, I feel like, Almost anybody can be an educator. That's why I don't say like, I'm a wellness expert. Because like, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. No, It literally means nothing. I know. Unless you have a PhD or a master's or something, then you can be like, here's a piece of paper to back up what I just said. I'm an expert. And then I'm like, cool. All right. You're an expert. And I think there's a big difference between having expertise in something and being qualified as an expert in something. And nowadays, like everybody's an expert in something. Everybody's like a wellness expert. Like everybody calls themselves a wellness expert. And uh, something yeah. that I just prefer is saying I'm a wellness educator. Yeah. It does insinuate I have some expertise in this. Mm-hmm. But my passion is not being an expert. My passion is being an educator. Like right. I love to share with people and help bring people into the wellness fold. Right. No, <laughs> it's more giving. Suffering in the world. Yeah, exactly. It's like service oriented, mm-hmm. which is something that I really have a heart for. Even though I, I mean, I'm an artist and I think sometimes people perceive artists to be very self-absorbed or self-oriented mm. just because we literally have to in order to reach some potential level of excellence. Right. You have to. It you is. Know. I mean, Yeah. It's not narcissism. It's just, it's, yeah, you have to be focused on yourself. It's not necessarily narcissism. Mm -hmm. It's, it can be, but it's, it's not usually. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. And there are plenty of narcissistic artists, but there's plenty of narcissistic humans. It's not just art artists. It's just like a certain subset of humans are narcissists. But yeah, like you have to have a certain level of self-orientation in order to have some level of expertise and then Mm -hmm. educate other people and then create the amazing things that you want to create and share with the world to mm-hmm. inspire the world. Exactly. Um, I think the more yeah. self-awareness you have as an artist and the more mindful you are about that, the more you're able to give that back and the more good yes. and authenticity you're able to put out there with your work. So, yeah, I don't think that's selfish yes, at all. absolutely. And self-awareness is something that I think is so important for artists, for humans in general. Yeah, it's like so. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes, but to me, like the enlightened artist is not just self-oriented, but also Mm self-aware and able to hopefully allow other people to experience a certain level of self-awareness and consciousness, either through their work or through their mentorship. So I wanted to ask if you have specific daily creative rituals that kind of get you into your creative headspace. Daily rituals are something that I really struggle with, not going to lie. Really? Um, I remember, well, I feel like I've seen you I, write about all of yours. Maybe they're just always changing. Oh, yeah, they're always yeah. changing. But that's the thing. It's like a lot of times I write content that I need mm-hmm. for myself. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, um, you know, not perfect. But I... I have a certain amount of resistance around daily rituals. Mm. It's not that I don't do them. It's just that I don't want to. (laughs) Fair enough. And it's like this inner child part of myself that's just like raging against the very disciplined way that I grew up. I grew up in a Navy family. Mm. So um, I just have this inner resistance around it. But I do a lot of things. Like I have an ideal kind of morning, which I rarely actually get Mm. to which is like, wake up, have my coffee, do my yoga, meditate, journal, da, 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 da. and that takes like three hours. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. So I prioritize certain things. And right now my priority for all of my, my rituals that I do that really set me up right are um, doing a, a deep hypnosis. So um, either a meditation through the TV magnetic course that I currently do. The meditations are basically like audio recordings that help you to kind of go deep on different subjects. And they're very relaxing and very helpful to me. Mm. Or I'll just like sit and listen to a hypnotic audio recording, um, something that's just very, very simple. And that actually really, really helps me to meditate. I've always struggled with meditating I've taken courses I'm a yoga teacher yeah. like I know yeah. I know everybody needs to meditate it's hard to actually um, put into practice for yourself it's so easy to talk about it and teach others but yeah I have a certain amount of like um physical body anxiety that I find hard to release mm-hmm. sometimes but if I listen to an audio file that's literally just like hypnotic music it really helps me to rest and relax oh. and actually access that meditative state so the alpha and theta brainwave state which is really to me the goal of meditation Mm -hmm. um getting your mind into that that very receptive and relaxing state so and also relaxing the nervous system which is something i really struggle with my nervous system is often very overactivated i kind of have to do that practice every day it helps me a lot with my creative practice and then journaling is a huge part of my daily creative practice if I don't journal it's sort of like not taking a shower for a couple of days Mm. like my brain just feels kind of murky and I just have a hard time really focusing and I can kind of just go through my whole day being really reactive to stimulation so it's like something comes my way and then I'm reacting to it Mm. and my journaling practice is often just like morning pages the Julia Cameron walking in this world, practical art of creativity method, where you're just writing three pages of whatever and nobody ever has to see it. So it can be as petty or horrible (laughs) as you want it to be. You can burn it if you want to. I don't usually. Yeah. So that, or I'll do lately again, a lot of journaling practices from the to be magnetic 
courses. Cool. This like sounds like an advertisement for them, which it's totally <laughs> no. not. I just, it's just been really, That's really great. helpful for me. And it works so well with my personality. Mm-hmm. No, um, I totally get it. When so, you find something that you yeah. connect with like that, you gotta go all in. Totally. It's just been very transformative for me and helped me to heal a lot of my inner, inner stuff. Yeah. So those are the two main ones. And then if I can get a movement practice in, I'm like set. Yeah. Yeah. So if I don't have time for all three of those things, which I often don't, I'll like just do journaling or I'll just do a meditation. And I don't always get it in early in the morning. Sometimes it happens like midday. Yeah. And that's okay. Definitely. I think it's good to be flexible about it. It's nice to have those things you know you can fall back on, but, you Mm -hmm. know, also to be flexible about when and how often you do them. Because otherwise that even can start to be stressful, I think. Yeah. And I tend to have a lot of stress around like, I have to show up for this thing every day at the exact same time. That's part of why I'm attracted to being a blogger and an influencer Mm -hmm. and an artist, because I don't have to show up to do things at any specific time. Like I'm in control of when I do things. And I tend to find repeating the same schedule every day to feel really restrictive for some mm-hmm. reason. It just like makes me feel trapped and I hate that. So um, I try to keep it a little bit more loose and fluid. So are you 100% freelance with your work? I am 100% freelance, except that I teach yoga at a gym here. Yeah, well, yeah, I teach yoga too, of all the things. Of all the things, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which I love. I love, love, love. It's so great. That actually does bring some of my performance background into it because, you know, you're like talking for an hour. I know. So there's a lot of vocal work that goes into that and timing Mm -hmm. uh, with transitioning the postures and um, presentation. It's crazy. Very, very conscious of sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how performative teaching really is. You don't always think about that. You don't think about that when you are with a teacher, but... When you are one. I know. Except now that I, you know, I've been teaching for years mm-hmm. now. Whenever I take a class, I'm observing how the teacher is performing. Like I find it so hard to take yoga classes now since I'm, I'm also a yoga teacher. And I find it so hard to take classes because, you I'm know, so you. yep, you're just analyzing so what they're saying. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a good note. I should do that in my class or slightly judging. I try not oh, yeah. to, but, you know, it happens. Totally. And, yeah. <laughs> totally. I just took I, – I don't take classes that much, actually. I'm trying to take more just to – be less in my head with my personal mm-hmm. practice because when you're just practicing at home like you know all the postures and stuff right. um I'm like what am I gonna do next I think I'll do this instead of just going to the class and being receptive and like cool I can just let all that go mm-hmm. and just do whatever the teacher tells me to do and just be here and like if it's not exactly perfect and everything that I wanted whatever right I'll do it I'll do more tomorrow right. exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah it is it is really hard to to let it go yeah. Like, oh, teacher oh, absolutely. Mind. And the same thing in dance classes, too. Always analyzing. Yeah. Oh, it's totally. hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really love taking um, ecstatic dance classes, like five rhythms. Are you familiar with five I rhythms? I think, I feel like you might have mentioned it to me before. Yeah. It's um, real five rhythms classes are directed by somebody who's on a mic, basically the dance teacher. But it's kind of like anti-dance mm. in a way because they want you to let go of your dance training or whatever is going on in your mind that's telling you oh this is right or this is wrong or da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. so you can just fully be in the music and be in your body and let yourself use movement as therapy and they have this kind of arc or flow to them so in the beginning it starts out kind of slow and gentle and then it ramps up kind of to a frenzy and then it goes back down to um, a more relaxed ending 
it's very special. I really enjoy it. But the classes that I really, really love, we have these ones in town here in Charlottesville that are just, we call them the dance co-op, but it's just self-led. There's nobody on the mic, but mm. the music goes in an arc in a similar way. Oh, cool. And different people do the playlists every week. Um, so they're always really, really different. But you can just have your own internal experience of whatever you want. And most people use mm. it as kind of a movement therapy. I always end up leaving feeling so much better. It really gets me out of my head and out of my like inner dancerly desire to make things right. That sounds great. I need to try that out when I'm back home. Yeah. Well, come to our dance co-op. That would be fun. Yeah, definitely. Is there, are there any outside interests that you have that are totally unrelated to all of your work? Uh, I really love like stoner comedy. <laughs> <laughs> what, what qualifies as stoner comedy? Just really stupid, like really, really stupid stoner comedy. Like I love workaholics. Okay. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny to me. I love it so much. And like movies that are just basically about stoners and their hijinks I think are so funny and just like weird stupid comedy just like horribly stupid I just love it so much I'm yeah. very into physical comedy and comedic timing and it mm-hmm. probably has nothing to do with like my musical interests and stuff they just comedy timing and musical timing are kind of closely interrelated oftentimes mm-hmm. musicians are also very funny and comedians often have a musical side yeah so there's definitely an inner inner relation there yeah so that uh i also really like clothing and fashion and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um very into like consigned and thrifted clothing um part of that is just that i i think i i don't like spending a lot of money on clothing because there's so much clothing out there in the world. It's just we're like inundated with clothing. And I just love expressing myself through through clothing. Um, not that I'm walking around like uber fashionista all the time. Sometimes I just really, really enjoy showing up and looking fly, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Expressing myself. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, do you have any, well, I guess you're working on your music project. Is there anything else yeah. you're working on at the moment? Uh, well, Blanchelant is the big thing that I'm working on right now. Other than that, yeah, the blog is just kind of going through a little restructure. Uh, Like I just launched some Lightroom presets. Those are the presets that I actually personally use in my photography. And I just put them together into a pack so that people can grab them. And those are in my shop page on my blog, wolfrollickforfood.com. Yeah, so I just launched those. And there's lots of little stuff always going on kind of behind the scenes. But uh, the music project is definitely the main thing right now. And that's, you know, that's a lot. It's recording, but yeah, it's also uh, developing the whole aesthetic and all the photos and going to be getting into the music video production side, which I'm really, really excited about. I already have so many ideas yeah. that I can't wait cool. to deal with. Too. It's just going to be so great. And so much dance-oriented stuff is part of them, too. And just, it's going to be such cool. a dream. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's fun to watch yes. your, your whole process unfold. It's been amazing over the past, what, six years? And I can't wait to see even more. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah, that. It's true. I really, really do. Thank you so much for sharing your soul and everything. It's been such a great talk. <laughs> yeah, that's been really good. Yeah. Great talk. Yeah. Appreciate it. Great. To find out more about 
about Renee and her work, check out her blog, willfrolicforfood.com, and her personal Instagram, at willfrolicforfood. For her musical work, follow at bandlarkspur, and her new project, at blondechalant, both on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to this slightly longer episode today. As always, you can hang out with me at rubyjosephine.com or on Instagram at rubyjosephinesmith for dance and life or at Process Peace for all things related to the podcast. If you are enjoying Process Peace, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. A giant thank you to my brother Cooper Lee Smith for making the original music for this podcast. Thank you all and have a magical day. Mm-hmm.